Welcome to the first episode of the Memories of Contribees podcast with me, Martin Coleman, and I'm delighted tonight to welcome somebody that does go down in the bees' legendary status, a man who had a testimonial with the club. Only a few handful of riders have done that in the past, and uh, I'm really excited to welcome a friend of mine, Stuart Rutherford. Stuart, how are you doing? Oh, well, good, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah, not bad, thanks. How's yourself? Yeah, not bad, mate, not bad. How have you, uh, how have you been dealing with the, the whole coronavirus situation? How have you been getting on? Uh, been a bit hard at first because uh, working on building sites at the moment and the company I'm sort of subbing to, they uh, let the subbies go basically and kept their own workers, which was correct, you know, the right thing to do. Um, so they made sure they had work because the building sites actually stayed open right through the whole lot. So I was out of work for a few months. Well, I wasn't. I was out of work for about a week. I managed to get a job doing the delivery driving for Tesco's, so it was financially not uh, not too good, but I got a little bit of self-employment help and that uh, that tied me over. And yeah, it come out, come out in, uh, all good in the end, so I've managed to get back on site for quite some time now, and uh, it's been pretty good again, so yeah, hopefully it'll continue. That's good to hear. So, um, as you know, Stu, I contacted you to see whether you'd um, be willing to, to take part in one of these podcasts, and and it's really to try and get um, under the skin a bit of, of your career with the with the bees, um, get a few stories from you about your time with the club, um, and, and to talk about a few of the major things that happened during your your career with us. So, if I can if I can cast your mind back to uh, early 1995, so you know a good 25 years ago now, if you can remember that far back, mate. Um, and you'd done a bit of action with Edinburgh and Newcastle in your in your couple of early years, and then uh, you appeared at Brandon uh, with the new signing in 1995. Um, how, how did the move to to the Brandon Stadium and the Comptrebees come about? How did it? How did you first hear of the uh, the interest from the club? Uh, well, well, Martin uh, Mark contacted us in that winter time uh, of sort of '94 to '95. And just asked if I would like to ride. But I think what had happened is Colin Murders had seen me riding around when I was a bit younger. In because I used to ride around after the meetings, and um, maybe they've been watching. I don't know. Maybe he's been keeping an eye on my scores or something. I don't really know. And obviously, I fit average wise in the team. And yeah, they they bought my contract on a full transfer. On on that really, um, and then went down there and. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was good fun. Um, it was hard because uh, I, you know, I turned up. I mean, the, then the leagues were completely different. You know, the second division was, as it was, I think it was sort of normal. It was um, you know, just a bunch of blokes messing around, really, and having a bit of fun. They all had second job. Yeah. <laughs> so that was how I saw it. I never saw it as an, as anything more professional than that. And when I got down there, it was completely different. You know, I turned up. I had one bike. And I had a car with a bike rack on the back, and they used to drive, you know, two hundred mile or wherever, two hundred whatever mile every week, each way, to on a Saturday uh, to, to do what I could, and yeah, it was financially it, didn't, it was difficult because I just never had the money. You know, I didn't have any financial sponsorship. I had a little bit of backing from with a little bit of product. Um, which was always good and saved me a lot of money. 
and I was obviously very appreciative of that. Uh, but the financial side of it to sort of help with bills or buy engines, buy, buy bikes, etc., etc., just never, it never came. You know, I got very little my entire career, really, compared to what you kind of need to to help. But no, I can't complain. I had a good run, and yeah, it was, it was good. But that was that was how it all happened, and um, it went on for quite a long time after that, as you know. I was going to say, you, you must have made a, a, a good impression because you ended up being with the club for a long time after that. But uh, in that first season of 95, you you came out with just over a five-point average. Did that did that exceed your expectations or, or were you were expecting a bit more? What, what were your sort of thoughts going into the, your first full season? Um, I didn't really know, to be honest. I mean, at the moment, I, I, I can't really remember now, but I think it was probably more of a case of let's just see what happens and... You know, when you're that sort of age, you're going to be world champion, aren't you? Everyone will have that target. So, um, I think I was probably quite okay with that because that average. Because I didn't, I don't think my average in the other league was as high as that in here. Yeah, it was quite quite low, really. I, I had a didn't have the best of runs for the first sort of many meetings because I, I mean, like. Back then, it wasn't like it is now. I literally went in to the team at 16 at Newcastle with hardly any race practice experience at all. I had plenty of practice on my own, and we used to be able to do the odd um, practice here at Middles, the old Middlesbrough Cleveland Park, where where we'd have a couple of riders on the start line together, and we'd go and do a few laps. You know, start a few laps, but I mean that was probably about the limit of my speed rear racing uh, experience until then. I went straight into the team. My birthday was over the winter, so you know March came around, and that was it. It was in, and it was um, it was extremely difficult. So I didn't score any points hardly for quite a while, and then uh, something clicked. I had a bit of a good run at the end of the first season. I started hitting. Sort of uh, eight, nine, ten, eleven, whatever, and then um, went back again the following season. Did the same again where it was a bit of a bad run. Then I think I had a bit of a good run at the end of it all. And it's, it's, yeah, then the move to Coventry, my, my score was improved um, a bit more. I was a bit more consistent, I think, with with getting even if it was like three, four, five. So it was it was a bit more consistent than what I was getting at, at Newcastle where I was. With it, with the the first year too, when you were there, and you, we had um, people like Brian and, and John Jorgensen that had the the Danish influence. But in that first team, you had quite a few other British lads around you: Andy Smith, Paul Bentley, and then um, Darren Spicer, Sean Tasty. They joined the club as well. What was the what was the team spirit like in that first season? It was a good laugh, actually. Yeah, um, and JJ was probably a bit quiet than the others but it was always good fun um, we always had a good laugh you know obviously you know you know Tasty and Spice yourself quite well and yeah. they're all they're both good fun you know they're always we always had a laugh Paul Bentley I get on always got on really well with and he was always up for you know joking around and whatnot. And it, yeah it was always good Brian Brian was although very very professional rider he was he was still good fun he was a nice guy. I learned a lot from him. He was um, a good captain. You know, JJ was coming towards the end of his career. He was winding down. You know, I can understand he wanted to just get on with his 
kill with his job, score a few points and go home, you know. Um, but yeah, Brian was still at the top of his game at that point and getting better. And yeah, he was a very, very good team man. He was excellent. And I think Andy, was Andy Smith there the first year as well? Yeah, Andy, Andy was in the team oh, with you. Um, yeah, I've not. Yeah, and um, Simon Cross was there. I can't remember if that was that year or the next year. Mm. But, uh, yeah, Andy I've known for a long, long time before that from schoolboy grass track years. So, again, always good fun. And he was quite at the top of his game as well because I think he got British champion that year, didn't he? Yeah, was, was yeah three years running, wasn't he? When he, uh, on the British final day, he was a world beater and then couple of other times he wasn't as good but he was uh, he was good fun to watch um, you, you finished right, yeah. <laughs> you finished that first season Stu and then you did a deal to come back again uh, in 96 and probably 96 was the first time that the B fans um, saw you where you suffered quite a nasty injury you, you had a bit of a, a collision with the, the well known safety fence down at Exeter and uh, gave your collarbone a bit of a smashing what, what was it sort of as a rider going to Exeter did you have to have a a different sort of mentality to other tracks? Yeah, yeah. So it was, you get the, the same back in the day was you take your brain out and leave it in your toolbox. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was, uh, you just had to be 100% committed. You, a lot of people, people went down there with like a fear in them so they would beat before they got there. And obviously that gets relayed from one rider to the next and it, it can it can pass on quite easily and I, you know, I'd gone, I went down there and didn't, I didn't know the place and kind of was a bit wary of it before I'd even been there I think um, I might have been down there with Newcastle before that prize that book, like the first time I'd gone there you, you kind of had this fear of the place from other riders yeah. but it was just because of that safety fence well it wasn't a safety fence it was, only, it was a safety fence as far as the fans go, but like as a rider, because it was a death trap. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you, you, you didn't want to hear it, but yeah, I clipped it on the third and fourth bend, and it spat me off and brought the collarbone, and, um, uh, which wasn't good. I've gone down there, I think I doubled up with Paul Bentley to get down there, because I've gone from Sunderland and Paul and Darlington down to Exeter. It was about seven hour journey. Yeah. It's a long, long way. And... Um, Paul was obviously still in the meeting. So I'd gone to hospital, got my collarbone sorted out. I was in literally a pair of cycling shorts because that's what I, I would wear underneath as long as with my other protection. But everything got took off and I was literally just in my cycling shorts uh, sat in the waiting room waiting for Paul to come pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> the meeting was, uh, um, yeah, with my sling on. <laughs> it wasn't good. Yeah, And then, yeah, I didn't... Uh, well, you stay clear of that one. We'll, we'll come on to a couple of the fences that you, you tested for us later on in, in, in the in the chat. But um, you, you finish that season going back to Middlesbrough just to get back on the bike and and sort of get a bit of race action. And then you, you had a year away from Brandon where you went to Hull, and I know it was a season that Hull that you, you really enjoyed. It was yes. Um, I, I really enjoyed my time in Middlesbrough as well, to be honest. I'd not had the best of runs before that with Coventry that year. I've been having a bit of a, bit of a bad run. Uh, Middlesbrough was struggling as a team. And they made a couple of changes. I went there and I can't remember who it was. It might have been Tony Starr, maybe. I can't remember. And they turned the team around that year. And we had a really good year. We had good fun and a good run. And then, yes, the following year, 97, went to Hull. 
really enjoyed myself there. Actually, I liked Hull. It was a, it was a good place uh, as well as you know, I enjoyed the club. The fans were good there. Um, it was a good, nice stadium, nice, nice bar area and whatnot. Uh, track, track was okay. It was a bit narrow, a bit like Berwick uh, was, but Berwick now being changed, obviously. Um, and similar to Workington and Isle of Wight, it went around like a rugby pitch. Uh, so it was a bit narrow and a bit, which was a bit of a shame, really, because it was a great place to go and a great atmosphere there. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed my time there. It was Eric Bucock, team manager. And he's a great, he's a great bro, Eric. He's got the best sense of humour. Um, you know, if you, <laughs> you, know, you have a bad ride, he'd come back, he, he would, he would, you know, start taking the mick at you. <laughs> yeah, you know, just, he'd probably put a smile on your face. And in doing so, it was, and he'd turn, you know, he'd make you feel a bit better because you were laughing. You know, so, yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed that team and, and the fans and everything. I still, um, and then you, you average at the end of your season with Hull must have fitted into the, the team plans because you were back at Brandon then from 1998 for another six or so seasons. And when you came back in 98, you came back into a side that had the Exide boys. You got Billy and Greg and Brian were still there. Um, uh, and riding in a team with sort of Greg and Billy, did that? I know, I know you got on well with Greg over over the time he rode with the club. But did, did you learn anything from those guys when you was in the team with them? Of course, yes, learned a lot. Learned a lot. You could not learn from from them that that no caliber rider. You know, they were they were world class. The three of them at that time, they were all at the top. Well, I was going to say that top of the game. Greg wasn't quite at the top of the game then. He was getting there, mm. um, and. He, um, he'd, been, he'd been world champion prior to that, but he seemed to drop off and he just got better and better as he got older and older, didn't he, Greg? Yeah, like and Benjamin Burton. Yeah, that's, sorry? Like Benjamin Burton, better with age. <laughs> he did, yeah. Um, yeah, you could not learn from them guys. They were so professional, they were so good at what they did and they, they did pass on advice. Um, they, you know, they were part... They were team members as well. It wasn't just about themselves. It was the team. And they, they were looking out for each other and for, for, for the other guys in the team. It was, it was great to be part of a team with them. And a few, you know, the following years with other riders, it was um, of equal ability. Um, so it was always good to be... You know, when, you, when you're in a team with, with world-class riders like that, especially three of them in one go, you can't do that these days because you can't have that many in, in, in the UK. But, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And, and those those couple of years, June ninety eight, ninety nine, both seasons were unfortunately decimated by again another couple of really serious injuries. And as a as a fan that was at the majority of the meetings at that time, and we got to know you personally and, and know the suffering that you went through. I mean, you had a, a real bad smash at Ipswich, where with the Ipswich fence at the time, you only really had to breathe on it and it would disappear under you. Um, and you gave your ankle a, a real good smash, and then. Uh, the year after at Hull, you were towards the end of the season and Sam Malenko decided to clip the fence, I think, on the fourth bend and he just ended up in front of you with nowhere to go and, and then hand injuries. So over those couple of years with the with the injuries that you faced, um, you know, at, at what point do you think to yourself, my body's taking too much of a, a batter in here, is this the right thing for me to do or is it a case of get yourself back fit as soon as you can and, and get back on your bike because that, that's really all you knew? 
it was the latter, really. It was obviously injuries. You kind of accept them as part and parcel of it. It's not, they're not nice, but they happen. And if, if you want to do it, you've got to accept it. And I did. And yeah, I had a bad run for of injuries for quite a while. And it was um, the Ipswich one. I remember that coming off the fourth bend, picked up, and it broke my ankle. Well. It was a strange one because it wasn't it wasn't a straightforward break. My foot had gone up over, like my my toes and stuff had gone up, and the pulled the ligaments had pulled part of the bone off, rather than like luckily I'd done that rather than the ligament snapping, and like in the Achilles tendon area around there somewhere, and it it, it healed it healed well. I mean I, I did have a, I, I did have a little bit of discomfort with it for a long long time afterwards and. Now and again, it still it still tears up a bit, but um, yeah, it was. And then the following one was the the hand injury. That that was horrendous. That, that it was such a cold night, and basically Sam's bike went like flipped up over, and my hand hit the bottom of his engine because it, it happened right in front of us. And I crashed, and part of the company with the bike, and both me and the bike won the race. Uh, separately uh, and the guys behind I think it was someone like Jason Lyons and he he took a vase of action and turned across the centre green rode straight across and people managed to miss everyone and everything on there and I can't remember who else was in the race and what they did but yeah it was uh, that was a nasty one that, that, that gives me a bit of, a bit of uh, problems now because I've had a lot of hand injuries since I have arthritis in that in that hand and wrist and I have a lot of discomfort in that um, quite regular um, it's, um, not good it's not good at all yeah. my knuckles are all funny shapes because of it and yeah yeah um, following injuries I had a bit of a run of hand injuries for a few years and um, they're coming back to haunt me a bit now yeah I mean, it, it, things did take a bit of a, a turn for the better for the, the next couple of seasons. You, in, in 2000, which was your fifth year with the club, you finally managed to get on a winning team with the, the team with the Craven Shield. And a couple of, couple of notable points from that season is that you were riding with your brother Scott, who joined the club uh, in 2000. And um, it was also your first season where you were riding with Lee Richardson. Uh, what, how was it riding with Scott in the same team? Does it make it easier for you? Does it give you somebody there that's a, a bit of a confident or does it spur you on because you want to try and beat him and and what were your memories of, of riding alongside Lee who again was another ultra professional rider uh, Riding with Scott was, was good um, because uh, he knew how I rode and uh, it was always good to um, if I was on the track with him uh, he really looked out for me he knew where I'd be I knew him very very well and so I knew where he would be on the track and how we would do things and whatnot. so uh, that was always good being uh, sort of team riding with him um, and sorry Grace just came in there and um, yeah uh, I think I was in the team with him at Middlesbrough briefly as well before that so it, it was yeah it was good to have him back in the same team and especially even being at Coventry with me as well because that was kind of my club yeah. and he came down and joined, joined us there and he had a relatively success, successful run 
Um, I think he seemed to enjoy it, but he, he was doing the mileage then that I was doing when I first joined the club because he still was at North. And, uh, he might have even been up in the Scottish border at that point, I can't remember. Yeah. It, was a, it was a long, a long way for me to wear. And it makes it difficult. Um, uh, you know, it makes you really tired. And you, it's hard to get someone to, to go with you all the time because we couldn't afford to pay people. Yeah. Right, as a mechanic, whatever, we have to get volunteers, like friends, like, like sponsors, whatever, uh, to, to come and help us. And yeah, sometimes hard to get people to come down with you. So he might end up being on his own sometimes. I had prior to that. And you, know, you, you try and get someone to help you down there and, and whatnot. It makes it difficult, but yeah, he, he didn't uh, do too bad. He had a bit of a worse time than a few years later when he was riding for Eastbourne and living up in the Scottish border. It was a lot further <laughs> for him, but <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, going, going to actually, um, I didn't really know Lee before that year. I, I knew of him, but I didn't um, personally know him. And it was, yeah, it was, um, it was really good to be part of the team, because as you say, he was ultra-professional. And uh, very, very... Um, good on the bike and knew what he wanted and yeah it was um, again learned a lot from him although being younger than me still still learn a lot from people like him as well and he was such a good gator um, uh, he sorry I'm just trying to avoid gear for you jumping around um, such a good gator it was um, it was you had to try and beat him out the start because I'd be next to him. Otherwise, you, you, you'd just be gone. He'd yeah. be gone. And, so it kind of improved my getting a little bit for a while. <laughs> and Colin Pratt would always, you know, if we had because he sometimes used to run out in, on the first bend or whatever and not know you were there or whatever and you'd end up in the bottom, you know, at the bottom of the fence. And Colin Pratt would just, just uh, we'll, we'll, we'll beat him at the start, and, you know, trap him. <laughs> that was, you know, you had no. It wasn't. There was nothing more to it. You just, you've got to beat him at the start. So, yeah, it was. Um, it was always. It was always good to, to have him in the team. And yeah, and we had a few seasons together. Me and Lee at a couple of couple of clubs, and it, I'd gotten really, really well with him. Um, to be honest, after a couple of years, yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, such a sad loss. To, yeah everything really to the, to the world in general because he was such a nice guy uh, he obviously had family three kids uh, wife etc and massive loss to the sport as well yeah very sorely missed um and then in, in 2001 Stu was probably for me when you was at Coventry probably your 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 best season from an individual perspective um I think the highlight being the, the fabulous um performance that you had in, in the British final where you came second and got yourself on the rostrum do, do you do you have any memories particularly from that day and the meeting in particular yes yes I do actually because uh, it was um, I think Mark Ram was world champion that year wasn't he so I finished second to him because I know he won it and so it was quite good to finish you know ok 21 to beat you the, the, the world champion you can't really comprehend yeah. Um, but yeah there was a uh, I remember that the, the track last year was a bit inconsistent, a little bit it was a bit patchy, and there was there was a hole. If I remember right, it was quite a nasty bit on the first and second bend, and there was a lot of riders hitting us. So 
riding sort of, it was quite on the sort of inside the middle, and then we're all riding out at Italy all the time and sending them all over the place, so I just figured ride round it, you know, <laughs> and avoid it, and I did, and it worked, so yeah, it was a... Yeah, and there was, a, there was a runoff as well, actually. I had a good runoff with Martin Zugard that year as well. Yeah. And he ended up falling on, whether it be the second, third, fourth lap, whatever, third and fourth end, I think. And he, I can't remember if I was chasing him or he was chasing me. I think he was behind me, but we were side by side pretty much. And, yeah, it was. I managed to win the runoff and got second place, which is which is excellent. I think it's fair to say when he, when he did fall off and people knew that it wasn't anything serious, there was a massive roar went round the stadium because there's a lot of Coventry fans there that day and to see somebody on the rostrum that hadn't happened for, well, since 95 with Andy Smith from a hometown rider. So big, big, uh, big cheers going on that day. And then you managed to get all the way through that year to the uh, Intercontinental Final in Sweden. And I know that... Uh, there was a few of us travelled out to watch you on that day and, and he was only a couple of rides away from actually making the GP Challenge, which would have been quite an achievement for somebody, you know, over the years that had suffered with injuries and, and come back and had a great season. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, uh, it was, I had a good run, I remember that. I took on to, uh, well, Italy for one round and Sweden for another I think wasn't it yeah, yeah it, didn't, um, it was good it was good I just I would love to have gone to the GP challenge in fact I did actually get asked to go that year because the people dropped out for injuries or whatever but I just I just couldn't go yeah. the, the main reason was I couldn't afford it I didn't have the money to get I think it was a volume and I just didn't have the money to get me there like traveling in the van uh, for fuel, and then you because you would have to have uh, five tires, you have to have uh, obviously a couple of people helping you, you have to have this, that, and the other. And, uh, and you know, and I just I couldn't even afford the fuel for the van to get me there, but never mind anything else. So I had to actually get a sick note to get out of it because I, I, I just couldn't do it, which was a shame. I'd love to have done it. Um, I didn't have have the money and that was that. I I wouldn't have been able to get there. I thought I might have got there, but I wouldn't have got back. (laughs) Because the money money for them kind of meeting is like a a pence compared to what it costs you. You might, you know, you might go and do a meeting like that. I think if you go and win it, you do all right. You might might break even. The next thing is first or second. Maybe, maybe third as well. You, you, you don't get, it costs you so much money to do them. Um, and that's one of the you know, unfortunate sides of it. And if it had been in England, it'd have been all right. I'd have been able to get there. <laughs> but, uh, you get into, get into Denmark and back. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. just, a, just a, like my reach at the time, unfortunately. And, and I've talked about some serious injuries that you've had before now, before that time, Stu, with the ankle and, and the hand injuries, but you then sort of upped it a notch, really, by doing things like crushing vertebrae and puncturing lungs over the next couple of seasons. And a lot of the time, the, the trouble you were getting was you were that much of a racer that you never know when you're beaten, and quite often you were just about to go around the outside of somebody, giving it full gas, and 
all of a sudden the gap closes and the fence appears and next thing you know you, you're carted off in an ambulance and one of the big crashes you had was out in Poland wasn't it when you uh, you, you got really badly smashed out there Yes, that was yeah, that was a big one. That one at uh, Opola in Poland. I it, it, it was my fault. It wasn't anyone else's. And there was no problem from any of the rider. Uh, obviously, it was my fault. The track was extremely deep and rutty, and I, I just caught a deep rut. It and it sent me. It didn't lift me up. It, it just sent me forward so fast into the back of another rider, and I then. So I was coming off the corner at this stage and it sent, then I, because I clipped up near the rider I then went to the right and just hit the fence hit the fence full speed at the sort of beginning of the of the what would be the back straight I guess and um, yeah broken vertebrae luckily that one wasn't too bad and it was just a I said just it was just a fracture and it made my vertebrae like a wedge shape rather than being like a square and that's, um, I, I kind of got away with it. I, I, I spent, I think, like five years in, in hospital in Opola. And then um, Gareth Parry from Frequent Flyers at the time uh, managed to get me a, get me on a flight. And the hospital wrapped me up in a body cast and I flew back and uh, I got picked up at Birmingham Airport by ambulance, mm-hmm. which was organised by uh, another friend, Christy worked at the um, ambulance service at the time, uh, doing something within the ambulance service, not sure what. And Yeah, she'd organised an ambulance to come and pick me up, and I got took straight to Coventry Hospital, and that was that. I spent another couple of weeks or whatever in Coventry Hospital. And, and most riders at that point would probably think, that's it. I'm done. I'm. Uh, I, I'm not carrying on. I've given myself some really good smashes, and you know my, my body's taking its toll. But after that, you ended up going on for another 15 years. So I guess that ne- that thought again didn't cross your mind at that point. Um, not that I remember. It might have done at some point. I don't know. Not remember. But generally, it was. I want. I, I need to get back on the bike. I want to get back on the bike. That was it. That was my thought. And that was, yeah, right, okay, I can get fit, I can do this, I can, I'll be back on in, in two, three weeks or whatever it might be. And I like, yeah, we'll, think we'll be back out of this track. And yeah, um, that was always how I thought of it all the time. And and that's probably how 99% of riders think the same, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Motorbike riders in general, just speaking of riders, I wanted to get back on the bike because um, it's, it's all good fun. And, and your final two seasons at, at Brandon Stu, so 2003 was your best in, uh, individual season based on an average where you, you upped your average to um, nearly seven points. And part of the reason for that, I think, was that that was the first year you was able to what was then called double down because you, you joined back to Newcastle in, in the league below. And it was probably the fact that you were you were riding quite a lot, sort of maybe three or four times a week. And the more time you spend spending on the bike, the the easier it becomes, I guess. Confidence is a is a big thing in the sport, and and normally when you're missing meetings and not riding on the continent, it gets a bit difficult. But riding for Coventry a couple of times a week plus a couple of meetings for Newcastle probably helped you that season really get into a a good run of form. Yeah, definitely, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, it's one of the speakers. If you if things are going well, 
it's it's great, you know, and you can't do anything wrong. And that was one of them years where I I had a like I say a really good run, and it was going well for me, for, uh, fortunately. And for both clubs, I was I was scoring scoring points. You know, I was sharing the place at Newcastle with Bjarni Pedersen at that time, uh, who I think was a GP rider, and so it was that was the kind of. Uh, level I'd got to in, within the British leagues, and you know he, he was outscoring me a bit at Newcastle and and scoring Newcastle men. But he was another guy that was such a good gator, and when he was on top of his game, which was around about that era, he was he was very quick. I I got a lot of meetings from Newcastle that year, and um, yeah, I was in all my carbon fiber function because we were I was sharing the with anyone there yeah. at that point. Um, yes, it was, it was excellent. It was doing a lot of miles around the country and, and enjoying it, loving it, yes. It was funny because I'd moved from Sunderland to Wife Coventry and moved to Coventry from Sunderland to Wife Coventry and then ended up living in Coventry riding to Newcastle again. <laughs> you, you doing the journey, Bill. You guys just love time in the van, don't you? Time in the van going up and down the motorways is part of the job. Um, with, with 2004 being... At that point, I think a lot of people didn't realise it was going to be your last full season with the club, but it was your, your testimonial year, well, a well-deserved testimonial. And there was a lot of people came out and a, a lot of riders came out to support you on the day to, to celebrate what had been a, a, a decent 10 years. Yeah, yes, yeah. so I, I remember that day. It was great. You know, it was um, quite nice weather. Uh, I've gone for a summer, a summertime Sunday meeting, which was the sacrifice. Was, there's a lot of riders riding in Poland. So you, you couldn't, you know, there were certain matters you couldn't ha- have there. But, yeah, it was it was great. And, you know, like I said, they had a good crowd as well, as, as well as a good, good, good turn of riders. And everyone really enjoyed themselves. Had a, my uh, my mate's band on, my then mechanic, Gav, his band played in the bar afterwards on the, in the understand, and it went down, it went down a treat, that actually. It was, it was jam-packed in there. And... Yeah, it's a good day. I remember remember that one well. Um, I, I rode in the meet myself, didn't do very well, but uh, I didn't really care because it was just all about having having a fun day, really. I had a couple of friends down with some trials bikes, doing some bit of a show for the crowd, and you know, they were you know, good trials riders doing that, doing what they did, and just just trying to think of other activities to put on other than speed. But yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, but I know Speedway fans tend to like watching Speedway. <laughs> and, that, and, you know, when they go to a Speedway track, that's what they want to see. So yeah. it's uh, trying to get something to keep their interest is difficult. I don't know how well the trials went down, but I enjoyed watching them. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good idea. I think I had the best crowd of the, the season at Coventry that year because Coventry was, had a really bad run. Yeah. And um, won the wooden spoon, as far as I remember right. Yeah, I was going to say we stumped the place out that season. I think the uh, the team didn't do very well, but it was a it was a highlight of the year that that testimonial, testimonial day. Um, certainly, a lot of fun was had by a lot of people that came to to support. And as you see from testimonial meetings around the country, that people from other tracks always come and support certain riders. Um, and you'd have had a fair few people there, no doubt, from Wolverhampton, places like that, that you've never ridden for, but always seem to get a good response when you go there. Yeah, I think that it does. Like, uh, in general, Speedway fans, like I said, like to watch Speedway. They, they have their teams, but they still like to watch other teams as well. 
and other riders. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's one of the really good things when you're not like football fans who just won, you know, uh, you know they only want to watch their own team and that's it and, and see them win. But, some, you know, speedway people um, do like to watch others. So it was, it's good. That's a really good thing about it. And, yeah, I... I would like to think I had a few people from Wolverhampton and, and you know, Peterborough's not too far away and a few other clubs. I know there was a few people travelled from North and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I, it's, the response from Wolverhampton fans is generally not too bad for me. Uh, I always had a, uh, I don't know what it was about that track, I loved it. And I always seem to do, most of the time, seem to do well there. Um, and the, yeah, the fans, the fans there talked to me, which was always good. And, and I guess the surprise news for uh, a lot of B fans at the end of 2004 was that all of a sudden Rye House came in from nowhere and uh, not just you know signed you up for the season, but actually bought you on a on a full transfer. When when was the first time you sort of heard that uh, you wouldn't be back at Brandon the year after, and, and that Rye House were, were interested? How did that come about? I can't really remember, to be honest, but that was probably as much of a surprise to me as it was to anyone else. Because <laughs> I didn't really see any reason why I wouldn't be back, but maybe they just they just needed a change. And I'd been there such a long time, thought, right, let's you know out with the old, in with the new kind of thing. Yeah. But I, with with Ray House, I'd done the Ace of Hearts meeting there that year at the end of the season because um, I'd not personally I'd not had a bad year. It was just uh, as a club, we'd, we'd not done very well. Yeah. And I went to the yes, a hard bit and won it in what was a pretty good lineup as Len always did put a good lineup together for that meeting because that was his sort of that was his closing meeting of the season. Um, and I think I don't know if I won it with a fifteen pop maximum or what, I can't really remember now. But uh, obviously caught Len's eye and next thing I was he was on the phone to me and I was there. And yeah, I had a good run there. I enjoyed, enjoyed my time at Lighthouse. It was um, a good club to be part of. And and over the the next sort of the final sort of ten twelve years of your career, so you you came back for brief returns at Brandon, uh, 2013-2015. But whenever you came back with Lakeside, who you joined after Ryehouse as well, you, it didn't matter who you rode for. You always seemed to still get a fabulous reception from the fans at Brandon, no matter what team you rode for. Yeah, it was um, it was good. I mean, I, I always live, I still still do now, live in the Coventry area, and um, you know, I was always at Coventry was always my club really. Uh, it was that was uh, I was part of it for such a long time. Um, the fans there, yeah, they, they like me. They, they like they like a racer, and that's what I am. Oh, sorry, I was. Um, <laughs> I was 100% try, which you know, I didn't give up till I crossed the finish line. So, and I think they they liked that. They could see you, see I was trying, and uh, it was never anything. There's never anything less than 100% from me. And yeah, even as an away rider, they, they seemed to like me, which was again like before. Fans, favorite fans like to watch Speedway. So sometimes it doesn't matter who the rider is if you give them 100%. And they're a good racer. They 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 like it. And and obviously, Stuart, at the moment, the the stadium is, uh, I guess, with one of a better word, temporarily closed. And and like you say, you, you're quite local. Um, how how sad is it to see the the pictures? And whenever you drive past 
uh, the, the stadium to see it in the state it's currently in and, and what hope do you think we have for the future of, of trying to get it back open again? Oh, it's devastating, isn't it? Um, so many memories from the place. I've done so many laps around that track. Uh, been there probably into the thousands of times I've been there. And yeah, not with the state of it now. It's, it's really sad. Um, if it was still running, I would still be going there and watching without a doubt. And I don't really go anywhere else. I've, I only went to one meeting last year, uh, in 2019. I went to one meeting at Red Car. And that was it. I didn't think or anything else. Um, I would have 100% been gone there week in, week out if it was running. Whether it'll run again, I really don't know. It was, I think it would cost a lot of money and a lot of time and effort to get that place back in some kind of condition where people would be allowed in, never mind racing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a shame. Uh, I would love to see it back there, of course. I'd love to. Yeah. But I, I think, I don't really know. I mean, money talks, isn't it? And it's worth, that land is worth a lot of money as our houses because you can get so many on there. And yeah. the people who uh, want to do that are prepared to win. So it seems. And just sit on it for a bit, which again is a, is a damn shame. And a man you know, a man you know really well, Jeff Davis, obviously fronting up the the group of people that are fighting to keep the name alive. And you spent a lot of time with Jeff over the years with the, with the photos that you took around the circuit. Yeah, yeah, Jeff, yeah, absolutely great guy and uh, fantastic photographer. He's he, he just did it as a bit of a sideliner for a long, long time because he he worked full time uh, alongside that, didn't he? And. I mean, he was in a decent enough job to be able to afford a, a, a really good high-end camera, which helped. And but yeah, he's the work, the time and efforts he put into that, and the money he put into his photography is is was unbelievable. Because um, cameras are extremely expensive, and the lenses that they use. And yeah, it's hopefully you know Jeff's a man to to sort of speed ahead the campaign to keep it keep it alive there yeah. and hopefully he will be successful and obviously there is a team of people it's not just Jeff there is a, a, a team of people with him yeah. and I would um, I'd love to see them successful and get things back there you know and it, 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 I don't know how it would happen like I said we need a lot of work a lot of cleaning up a lot of time and effort and, and money so yeah good luck to them and fingers crossed well, Stu, that, that's brought me to the end of, of your commentary career and, and, and the memories that you've got about the place. Um, and before I let you go, uh, I think it's only right that we mention uh, a meeting that is still being planned. Uh, it was originally planned for March this year before uh, COVID got in the way, a week before it was due to go live. And uh, the, the farewell meeting that you've been granted is still on the on the cards. It's still due to take place at, at Redcar. And we're sort of in limbo at the moment as to you just finding out whenever things get some kind of normality and Speedway runs again that Redcar will honour your meeting and, and you'll get a chance to say a proper farewell to fans around the country. Yes, yes. I've um, got to say a huge thanks to Redcar for, for doing, for, you know, for, uh, for offering to do this for me and um, and holding on to it as well. You know, they've, they've stuck to their word. Uh, huge thanks to them and the guys there. 
because I was only I was part of the Red Cross team uh, only a couple of times, and you know I was a lot with Newcastle a lot more. So it was um, it would have been originally you tried to have it there, but obviously with the things that happened to Newcastle behind the scenes, I didn't know about, so I couldn't and. It just, I wasn't getting any kind of going to red car. But yeah, fingers crossed it will happen. Not sure when. Um, sometime next year. With a bit of luck, you know, like you say, <laughs> things we need a bit of normality back with the uh, with the world. Not just, you know, not just in uh, speed, where everything needs to um, calm down a bit. And, you know, fingers crossed, like I say, we will be back on track. In, in April, March, April next year, and we might get the meeting in at some point. Obviously, I wouldn't expect the first meeting of the season because after such a break, you know, Red Car do have to put their own priorities first, which is fair enough. And but it'd be nice if I could run the meet, run the meeting there at some point in in the summer, if not if not the early season. Well, Stuart, thank you so much for for stepping up and and becoming the first guest on the memories of Crumpty Bees podcast. It's been great to listen to, to some of your memories. Um, hope you and the family keep safe over the winter. And then as soon as we've got some news about the, the date for the Red Car meeting, obviously we'll make sure that that's put out and about in the wider public. But thanks so much, mate, for your time. And as with true Brandon tradition, it only feels right to uh, finish on, on a piece of music like this. <laughs> And may all